0: I just want to pick up from where I started last week, and uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, if you don't have your Bible, it's say, okay, we bought one here, it'll be up on the screen. So glad you could be here to enjoy the service, brother. It's fantastic. Good to have you here. Uh, Jesus, I just want to just pick up, and I'll just, I just want to go over a couple of points from last week, and then I'm going to just expand it a little bit more for you. Uh, I'm going to come back to, to Luke chapter 4, verse 18, and uh, this scripture, this passage of scripture here has got to be one of the, the, uh, the core Foundations of which this church based city outreach is based upon. It's one of the things that uh, we hold, it's one of the scriptures that we hold dearly uh, in our hearts. It, it, it describes what we do, it, it describes what we live for. And when Je- this is in uh, the original piece of scriptures is in Isaiah, but we see in, uh, in this place here, when Jesus, when Jesus came, he came to Nazareth, he came to the church as was his custom. Yes, even Jesus went to church. And Jesus had a job to do in church. If Jesus had a job to do in the church, I'm sure you can too. <clears throat> uh, and he opened up the book of Isaiah and here Jesus states his mission on earth. And I love this piece of scripture, this, mis- this this statement has got to encapsulate the majority of what Jesus his mission on earth was. And if it was Jesus' mission, it's our mission. And I believe it remains Jesus' mission until he comes again, until we come into a new, until we come into the into the next age where he has returned. And if it's it's his mission, it remains our mission today. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed or uh, or held in bondage and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. One of the things I talked about last week was uh, the difference between uh, people being in uh, captivity and people being in bondage. We looked at the difference where Israelites were held in, cap- in, in bondage in Egypt and the difference between their bondage in Egypt as opposed to the captivity they were held in, in Babylon. They kind of look the same. and you read the scripture here, it kind of sounds like he repeats the same thing, but actually they're, they're similar in that they restrict freedom, but they do it in different ways. In Egypt, The the bondage, there were chains, there were taskmasters, they they could not do what they wanted to do. There was absolutely no freedom at all. They were slaves. When you're in bondage, you're just that, you are in bondage. However, when they got got brought into captivity, captivity in Babylon was something completely different. Completely different. There was no chains, there was no taskmasters. Most of the, uh, if you can encapsulate uh, the Babylonian captivity, it was that of a uh, their mind or, or their heart. One of the things that we, we looked at last week was when King Cyrus came to set them free and, and set them free after 70 odd years of captivity, many did not want to go home. Some people had grown very, very wealthy. Some people had so become caught up with the culture of Babylon that they just didn't want to go home. They enjoyed their captivity, yet they still, God had still had their own place for them to live in. Some people to even go back to their own land, one, they wouldn't have gone that way because they're old and, and it just wouldn't have worked out for them. Two, some of them wouldn't have gone back because the journey was too hard. Uh, three, even the, the process of building, the rebuilding the city, rebuilding a new nation again, uh, it was tough work. Uh, other people uh, were held captive, but uh, one of the things I want to encourage us to today is this, is that uh, even in the place of captivity, God can do some powerful things. And, Just as I was looking at this and started to see this a lot more, I could start to see the greater plan and the greater purpose that God had. One of the things I also started to see and start to recognize is the whole idea of captivity. That more people are held captive today, especially in the church. I see that people, in fact, everywhere, uh, we we see people who are uh, demonized, people that struggle with uh, addictions, people that struggle with demonic oppression. You look at the amount of people who commit suicide or try to commit suicide, people today are still in need of deliverance. People who are in bondage, they need deliverance. They need a saviour who would come and deliver them. They do not need sympathy. What they do need if you're in bondage is to deliver his name of Jesus Christ. People today are still in bondage. They still need Jesus. And that is why that scripture remains relevant today can't tell me that no one out there is not in in, in spiritual bondage. Absolutely not. The amount of people that are tormented in this world today absolutely tells us without a doubt that people today still need Jesus. They do not need counseling in that respect. They need a deliverer. His name is Jesus Christ. Whereas the church has been very good at that. But yet there's another part of that is captivity. Captivity is something completely different. One of the things just in the the context of time is, I believe that captivity, the, the captivity they had there, It was was more to do with what was going on inside of their heart. The bondage was was largely external, but also had an effect on the heart. But the captivity in uh, Babylon had a lot to do with their thinking and their beliefs in their heart. And you'll find that, like I said, when, when they got the opportunity to come into a place of freedom, many chose not to. They got so enjoyed, the comforts, they got so enjoyed of where they were, they did not let go, and to come back to the, to the very land that God has for them. That in itself is captivity. One of the things I started to look at is, how much are we still in captivity today? And as I started to look at it and started to consider it, uh, I believe that one of the aspects of captivity is that we are, we are not, it's, it's, it's the space between where we are today and where God has called us to be in. Uh, God's plans for our life are never to remain static. God's plan is always to grow us up and to bring us on further. It never stops. His call, His work in our lives never stops. To go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. It's it's a progression for the moment that we start to stagnate anywhere. We come into a place of captivity. When we're not walking in the things and the plans and the purpose that God has for us, I believe we're in a place of captivity. It's a captivity of the mind. It's a captivity of the heart. Uh, and one of the things I believe that Jesus, uh, his word is still alive. He still wants to get, up, get into the parts of our thinking, get, us in, in, get into the parts of our heart that keep us captive and bring us out of that into the fullness of who he's called us to be. It's one of my jobs as a pastor is to bring the people, bring people into maturity in Christ, not to let them stay stagnant. One of the things we find is... Uh, We also looked at uh, what stops people moving forward. And one of the things I've I've also looked at was the idea of competing commitments. And that's one of the things that people in Babylon struggle with. They were committed to the Lord, but they also had a competing commitment they actually enjoyed where they were. And many people, many good people in the world today, they don't move forward because they have what's called competing commitments. Good people who love the Lord, that will come to church, that tithe, that are involved with people, yet they do not move forward. They remain. They get to a certain point, and that's their, That's as far as they go. One of the things you'll find is when people get like that. If people are in that position, you'll find it's, it's got, it really has to do with what's going on inside. People have a—it's uh, almost like they have a dollar each way. And the core of that is fear and unbelief. Sometimes it's, uh, it can be expressed in different ways, but you'll find that when people find they get. A, uh, they get held in suspense. They're not moving forward and they're not moving back. They're just in, in a place of captivity. Good people, good-hearted people held captive. This is what you'll find that many of the Jews found in Babylon where they were held. Many of them loved God, but yet at the same time, they were committed to, they liked the idea of, of having their own land again, but they weren't committed to doing the journey, the mahi, to, to go and build lives. They, they had a dollar each way. They kind of liked here, and they, they liked the idea of that. They like the idea of God's plans and purposes, but they didn't like the idea of letting go of that. So they, held, they get held in suspense. You'll find that a lot of people do not move forward in God because there's competing commitments inside of their heart. Sometimes they're attached to a person. Sometimes they're a, attached to a, an ideology or a dream, or they won't let go of uh, uh, what God has for them into the, uh, into the new because they're still attached. They don't want to upset a person. For example, you might have a... Um, Some people they can they can they know the call of God or bringing them want to move forward, but they don't want to hurt the people that they love. So sometimes there's a competing commitment, could be a family or uh, it could be a whole bunch of things. And and at the end of the day, you'll find that there is a core belief that keeps them in the place of captivity. There's a core belief in their mind, there'll be a, a core attachment in their heart. Often it's a fear if I make the decision to go. This way and respond to the call of God, that means letting go of this. And if I let go of that, that means then I will. Maybe people won't like me. Maybe I'll miss out on on the thing. You'll find that the bottom line there will be a core belief in there. That competing commitment will be will keep people in a place of captivity. Another way that keep, that keeps people in captivity is this. Uh, it comes in Isaiah chapter uh, five verse thirteen. Uh, he says my people are held in captivity by a lack of knowledge my people are held in captivity by a lack of knowledge and he talks about being thirsty as well and so one of the things we can we can we can we can uh, we can join here is that what's going on in terms of thinking and in the, in the in the in the heart will keep people will either keep people or bring people into a place of captivity Either the lack of, it's uh, either the lack of knowledge or complete ignorance or wrong thinking or beliefs. The way people think about life, the way people see, uh, the way people think about um, in every, in nearly every aspect of life, you'll find either brings people into captivity or holds them in cat- captivity or bring them forward. Because as I said, like people are held or brought into captivity from a lack of knowledge. Sometimes people don't know what they don't know or they've been taught something which is complete lie. So all of it has to do, this. so this particular place of bondage had to do with the internal thinking, had to do with heart attachments. And whatever our heart is attached to, like the Bible says, you can't serve God and mammon. You, You have to choose one or the other. And if you try and choose both, you'll remain in a place of captivity. And I don't believe you'll ever discover the fullness of what God has for you. Could you imagine to look back in your life one day when you stand before the Lord and just to see how much God really had for you? What did God really have for us as a church? What did God have for us as people? But yet we chose to hold on to uh, people, relationships, we chose to hold on to other things that held our heart. And I believe that at that point we'll discover how much people really are held in captivity. And you'll find that I believe that Jesus' is, is, his word is still true today. That is why he came, to, to open up the eyes of the blind, not just physically, but actually in the heart. One of the things we see also in the whole concept of Babylon is this is one of the things I believe where us as a church and, and churches around the world, we've got to grow in. We've got to start to discover who God really is. One of the things we see that uh, Daniel, uh, the, the book of Daniel and, and uh, and Isaiah, and Ezekiel, and Amos, they're all pieces of scripture. They were written around the same era. They were written around the same time of captivity in Babylon. And uh, one of the things we looked at is, I started to look at is, is the life of Daniel, because there's something about Daniel, and there were certain people, even though they were held in captivity, there was something about their lives that caused them to excel. There was something about their lives that caused them to rise above. They were a minority within a minority. So if you feel like you're a nobody, if you feel like you're a minority, I want to tell you, it's all got to do with how you think. It's got to do with right thinking. It's got to do with right believing. If you think right, if you believe right, you won't be in captivity. You'll continue to move forward. There's something about Daniel's life. Even Jesus tells us to read the book of Daniel. It's like, so I want to just open up a scripture right now. If we go to uh, Daniel chapter, start of Daniel chapter one, it's an amazing, amazing story here we go. You got your Bibles with you? Here we go. So Daniel and uh, Daniel and, and some of these young guys, they were the first uh, group of exiles that came into Babylon. And, uh, and we'll look at verse 8. But it says here that, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine of which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor, into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And it goes down, let's go to verse 17. Uh, As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel, understanding in all all visions and all dreams. How about that? Phenomenal. Now, at the end of the days, when the king had said, that they should be brought and The chief of the eunuchs brought, him, brought them before King Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 19. And the king interviewed them. And among them there was none, like, none found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they all served the king. Verse 20. In all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better. He found them ten times better than anyone else. All the magicians and all the astrologers were in his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Let us understand to that. There's got to be something around Daniel's life. got to be something around his life. Not just Daniel, but there's other young men, which you'll see. But there's got to be something around his life that caused him, as a captive, to the rise to, one of the greatest, to the top of one of the greatest powers in that world at that time. And not just there for a few days. He was there from successive after three successive kings. Something about his life. Friends, I want to tell you today, it doesn't matter where you are in your life. It doesn't matter what's happened. It doesn't matter how you've started your life. It doesn't even matter if you're a slave. It doesn't matter whether you've come from a place of addiction or brokenness. It does not matter. There are some things that you can build into your life that will bring you into a place where you can come to a point where you are 10 times better than anyone else. There is something that you can build into your life that will cause you to rise up above and stand out that will cause you to become an influence. Even though in one sense you're a captive, in one sense you're a captive, on the other sense you're as free as a bird and got the power of God upon your life. Oh, come on, somebody can be excited about that today. It became a key leader. I just, let's just break up some, um, some scripture here today. One, I believe this, he purposed in his heart. If you look in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, he purposed in his heart. In other words, there was no competing commitment inside of his boy, this boy's life. He purposed in his heart. That's the, that's the difference between making a heart decision, a life decision, and having options. If you've got too many options of choices of the good of the goodies around your life, you'll find those things itself will keep you in a place of captivity. Lots of good choices, lots of good options will keep you from moving forward. But Daniel purpose in his heart. You will find, I found this amongst people, and Pastor Michael would acknowledge this as well, I believe, that when people in their heart make a decision, when you make a decision to follow the Lord, when you make a decision to stand up for what's right, when you make a decision to stand up for, for righteousness, no matter what goes on in your life, when you make a, a, a decision that honors God, you will find that the atmosphere of heaven responds. One of the things I've found is this, is that when you make a decision in your heart, before you even voice that decision, you will find that things can start to shift. Some people, their lives do not shift because they remain in a place where they just have too many options. You can choose this church or that church or just go around a few churches. Choose this or choose that. The day you make a decision in your heart, you'll find that things shift. The day that you make a decision to commit, to honor the Lord, to make, that can be around your finances. To make, the, way, the, the day that you make that decision, you will find that things will start to shift around your life. Today, we have too many options. Your life is full of options. You've got a whole bunch of option church options. But the moment that you make a decision to commit and to engage into the house, into the body of the Lord, you'll find that things will start to move for you. Make a decision on some things. One of the first things he did was make an internal decision based on principle and a desire to honor God. There was no competing commitment on them. One of the other things we see here, and this is the other thing I want to, want to bring out, is that we notice that he did not defile himself the portion of the king's delicacies. The, 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 the other version says the king's meat and the king's wine. This is really what I, I just want to unpack this for you quickly very, very powerful. There was something about the king's meat and the king's wine that he did not want to touch. One of the things we look when you, when you look at the Bible and, and you, you can look at it in different lights and, and, and everything you see not everything but you'll find that places or things or items in the Bible have a, a significant spiritual meaning to them. Names have a meaning to them. Places have a meaning to them. Substances have a a symbolic of things that 's why we have the communion, and where we have the communion, we have the wine because, and the blood and the, so we, are, we draw connections so when, when we look at this piece of scripture here, there are two specific things that the, that Daniel did not eat one was the meat and one was the wine. Why is it so much? Why was it not those things? Why, why did he not touch those things? One of the first things I believe is this: is meat represents doctrine. whenever you look at the word meat you 'll find that uh, through Scripture, it talks about doctrine. Paul talks about milk uh, being for inference, but, uh, but meat also is, it's a, it represents a level of doctrine. The other one, though, the wine, represents spirit. In, in the New Testament, they, when we take communion, they associate wine with the blood of Jesus Christ. But wine also represents a spirit, and Amos talks about that, about strong drinks and, and, and being spirits. So whenever you see... Uh, so when, when Daniel is looking at when with what's presented to him, he's looking at two things. He's looking at the doctrine, and he's looking at the spirit behind it. Doctrine has to do with thinking. We're just talking about at Babylon was a, uh, the impact, the, the captivity was, was that of the thinking. We looked at Isaiah. They're held in captivity by their lack of knowledge or their ignorance of what they don't know or their refusal to do that. So one of the things, there was something specific about Daniel. One, he made a decision. Two, he chose not to live on the doctrine of Babylon, and he chose not to live on the spirit behind Babylon. One of the things you'll find is is his boys did the same. They all made the same decision. They were a minority within a minority. They made some core decisions of what they would feed on and what they would not feed on. What they would listen to, what they wouldn't listen to. One of the things you'll find today is In every organization, in every sphere of the world in which we live in today, it doesn't matter which part you look at. You can look at government. You're looking at different parties. You're looking at churches. You can look at, uh, even the gangs have a doctrine in which they live by. Every sphere, every corner of society has a doctrine that underpins it. The word doctrine simply means uh, teaching or instructions. It's how you live your life. So Babylon had a way in which to live, in which people should live their life. For Babylon, it was all about image. That's why Nebuchadnezzar built a big statue. It was all about image. You'll find that every place in society has a doctrine that underpins it and a spirit that empowers it. Absolutely everywhere, every individual, whether they know it or not, has a doctrine in which they've been brought up into and a spirit that's empowered it. So you have young people born into captivity, people born during the time of exile, but yet they're born and they had to choose which doctrine they're going to live by, which spirit they're going to entertain around their lives. You'll find today that even churches have a doctrine in which they live by. You have a primary doctrine that many people would agree on, but you have other doctrines that, that are not so clear, but yet they're still there, and they still affect how people think. The word doctrine simply means instruction or teaching. It especially applies to lifestyle application. Doctrine is the worldview by which we govern our lives. Every person here today, every person in this world, will have a doctrine that governs their lifestyle. They'll have a, a set of instructions, whether they know it or not, that subconsciously is in their heart, that governs the life in which they live. Every person in this world today, whether they are atheist or not, has a doctrine in which they live by. Atheists have a doctrine in which they live by. Their doctrine is there is no God. It's still an instruction that affects how they live their life. The mongrel mob has a doctrine that governs what they do. It's the life of the dog. And there's a spirit behind it. The education. (laughs) The education department has a doctrine that continually gets changed and imparted into our young people. And it affects how they live their life. Businesses have a doctrine. Governments, everywhere in life you have a doctrine. You'll find that even churches will have one. Some churches, they move away from the doctrine of Jesus Christ. They end up selling a franchise. Preaching a franchise as opposed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we wonder why people are still bound by demons. There are some churches today, their doctrine is this, that the Holy Spirit is, no, there's, he is there, but there's no room for miracles in the world today. It's called the doctrine of cessationism. Hello? Good God-fearing people, but yet they're held captive by a doctrine that holds them in bondage. There's a spirit behind that. They'll come and they'll worship the Lord. They'll come and they'll open up their Bibles, but yet they're still held in captivity by a doctrine and by a spirit. Something about Daniel, though, my friends. It held true to the true word of God. Every organization, people group, individual, has a doctrine at its foundation and a spirit behind it that draws to it. Colossians 2, verse 8, it says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. One of the things we want to encourage our young people to do is Search the scriptures and and know why they believe what they believe. When you know what you believe, when your life is built on a a solid doctrine, the doctrine of Jesus Christ, you will find that your life will remain stable. Not just remain stable, but you'll find that God will lift you up. God will elevate you. God will bless your life. God will bring you forward when you have daily communion with his Holy Spirit. When you allow his word to come inside of you. When you feast on good, solid doctrine, that's when you'll find your life will start to grow. Many people in church start mixing doctrines or introducing new ones. Mixing doctrine based on a personal, making up a doctrine that is based on a personal experience, next thing you know, it becomes a foundational truth, but yet it's not. And they start to mix it and start to bring confusion into people. You can see today in the world that there are new doctrines that are starting to emerge. And we wonder why people still remain in a place of captivity. That is why we need the gift of discernment. The gift of discernment helps us see right between right and wrong. You'll find that there's a whole bunch of instructions on how to live will be presented to you. Even in the church, it's why you need discernment. The, the, the discernment means you can distinguish between what's right or wrong. You can distinguish between what's good and, and what's, of, what's of God and what's not of God. One of the things we need as a church is not just to uh, listen to every Tom, Dick, and Harry that's pre- that, that preaches around the world. You'll find that the, the experience of dining with the king will be very, very pleasing. It will be a great experience but yet inside of it, it would have put something into their heart that was not of God. You've got to be careful who you listen to. I know people, they pick up teachings from around the world that sounds good, but next thing you know, they're out of church. They're not serving in church. You look at the grace movement, for example, and I'm, to, I'm, I'm not going to labor on this, but you'll find that uh, when a doctrine got introduced around the area of grace, you look at the fruit of what it produced in many people's lives, whether they misunderstood it or misheard it or whatever it was, you'll find that, the, that when uh, a different doctrine around grace was presented, you'll find that people ended up living lawless lives. But friends, one of the things I want to come back to is Daniel. He was careful about what he listened to, careful about what spirits he entertained. I know even ministries out there today, what they presented, it sounds right, but I can feel the spirit behind it that it's done out of a spirit of rebellion or rejection. Be careful of what you listen to. Don't be naive. One of the things that we're so blessed with, I just love my dear Pastor Mike and, uh, and, and mum, that the doctrine that presented, the truths that are presented, they've got good fruit on them, and they come from a good spirit. And you can be sure that if you follow in good doctrine and good spirit, you'll find that you will grow. <coughs> the Bible says that of itself, that it is profitable for doctrine. So the word of God based upon, uh, it's good for correction, instruction and in righteousness. Anything that starts to deviate from the word of God or manipulate it to fulfill their own experiences, you'll find there'll be something in there that will take you off, off course. But if you remain true to the scripture, if you're made true to the revelation that God has brought, you'll find that you will start to grow. In 1 Timothy 4, verse 16, he says, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Per- persevere in them, because if you do, you'll save both yourselves and your hearers. See, Jesus, this is a, it's the Word of God. It's a way that, it's the instructions of life. If you need to grow, if you want to grow financially, you'll find that there's a sound doctrine in here that makes sense. If you want to grow in relationships, you'll find that in here. In this word, you'll find that there is the way to relate to authority. If you struggle with injustice, you'll find that there is an answer to overcome injustice right here. Psalm 119, verse 105, David says, Your word, your laws are a light unto my feet, lamp unto my path. When you live your life, young people, according to Scripture, not according to the doctrine that gets presented to you, From around the world, you will find that your life will start to grow. When you entertain the Holy Spirit of God around your life, when you spend your days reading the Scripture, getting the message of Jesus Christ inside of your life, entertaining His Spirit, you will find that you will grow. Don't be deceived by the doctrines of the world that will get thrown at you. Doctrines that are made up of people's opinions. The next thing you know, because it's the way you live your life. Don't get caught up in that. Make a decision that your life will be centered around the Word of God. Matthew, Jesus says in Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from Jesus. Every minister, every preacher of the word of God, every person that stands to represent Jesus should at the end of the day have a doctrine that points people back to Jesus. If it doesn't, forget it. It has to point, bring people back to Jesus and to grow in Jesus and to grow into maturity in him. What good is, there are some doctrines out there that are of absolutely no use to hurting and broken people around our community today. Absolutely useless. Useless. They've been led off course. Sounds good, sounds enticing, sounds powerful, but it's led off course. Sound a gospel that will bring you into, into wholeness in Christ. He says, take my yoke upon you, my ways, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart his ways and his spirit, his doctrine and his spirit. Take that, the Holy Spirit upon your life and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I just want to just finish just on this right now. I'm going to pray for some people. You'll find that as you start to read and understand what happened in this part of, in this time of Israel's life, you'll find that even though it was a time of captivity and time of exile, God had a greater plan. One of the things we find was Ezekiel was one of the young men who was held captive. But Ezekiel was also a young man who held true to two things. One was the Torah or the Word of God at that time. And two, he held true to the Spirit of the Lord that was manifest at that time. When you start to read the book of Ezekiel, you'll start to see there was encounters of this and all this some weird and wonderful stuff in there. But one of the things you'll find that one of the core, the core doctrine that Ezekiel lived by at that point was this: that every Jew was individually responsible for his life and conduct and had the same same time or responsibility towards the entire nation. Ezekiel was a, a young prophet who held strongly to God's law in his spirit. He taught that the revival of a whole nation could come only through revival of each individual. One of the things we find is that was the life that Ezekiel chose to live as a young man, even in exile, taken away from his homeland, but yet still in his heart, chose to live by the spirit of the Lord and by his word. Chose not to entertain the doctrines of Babylon, just like Daniel. We find Daniel excelled 10 times better than anyone else. He lasted the distance. Ezekiel, the young man, got a little bit misunderstood at times, but he held on to God's word. He held on to his spirit. One of the things we found as I started to research was this, that Ezekiel ended up establishing a a Bible school, essentially, in one of the Babylonian towns. That Bible school didn't last just for a few weeks. The School of the Prophetic was one that that he launched lasted for 1,600 years, they reckon. 1,600 years. To put that in perspective, the only oldest running educational institution in the world today is Oxford University. It's 900 years old. The young man who was in captivity, in exile, chose to build his life around the word of God, chose to build his spirit around the spirit of the Lord. God used him to start something that went 1,600 years beyond his lifespan. One of the things we find is even though King Nebuchadnezzar took all these people captive, he did it to try and weaken the church. He tried to do it to weaken Israel. What he didn't realize was this. God is greater than any or far above any kingdom on this earth. God used that situation and captivity to bring forth people like Daniel, to bring people forth like Ezekiel, to bring people forth like Isaiah, to bring people forth like Amos, to bring people forth like Ezra. And in their different ways, they, they caught something of God. And every one of them became revivalists in one expression or another. And what happened was after, as a result of this Babylonian captivity, because there was a minority within a minority that chose to believe God, what we find is that the Jewish nation was set up for the next 2,500 years because some people, a handful of young people, decided to make a stand for God. He unwittingly, he thought he was bringing people into captive, but actually, God had a plan all along. Well God, what the devil meant for bad, the devil meant for good. He unwittingly set up two and a half thousand years of Jewish history came out of captive, that captivity, raised up prophets. As I started to research, it became really the whole level of governance for the Jewish people, which lasted two and a half thousand years, brought hope for two and a half thousand years. Young people, I want to pray for you this morning. If you come here from out of town, I'd love to pray for you too. I just want you to just, just come to the front right now. My young people, it's what you're here, So saw you serving the come to the front.
1: We can have our young people up on the media team come up
0: Just lift your hands to the Lord. And just make some space. Church, i just love you just to just stand to your feet right now. Holy Spirit of God, we honor you, we walk in this place fresh. These young people are ten times better. Than everyone else in the kingdom. When I was there watching you all last night serving, I was looking at you and I thought, here's a bunch of young people that are 10 times better. Young people, you've got to know today, there'll be many things that will try and capture your thoughts. There'll be many things, there'll be many doctrines, many people groups that will try and capture your heart. Right now we live in a we live in a society that it's all about image. We live in a society that's about a whole bunch of things. There'll be doctrines preached in school and social media. Other spirits that will want to try and entertain you. Friends, young people, may I encourage you today? Make a decision to stand strong in the word of God. Make a decision. So let your life, your thought life, be built around what's possible, what God says is possible. Let your life, let your thought life be built around the Word of God. Make a decision to entertain the Holy Spirit of God every day of your life. Other spirits will want to capture your life. But you will find that as you make a decision day by day, to get the word of God inside of your life, make a decision today. That you'll entertain the Holy Spirit, that your heart will made soft to Him, that you'll be a champion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you today, your life will not just flicker out before its time. You will find that God will lift you up. God will make you a light into this world. God will bring you to a point where you will stand up and bring His power to a, a generation that is held captive. I don't think you got any idea, really, the plan of God for your life. Just as we were praying, I could already see some of you young men standing up as leaders, bringing change into your cultures. Watch young men doing the haka. you watch one day God will lift them up. He'll speak with boldness. He'll speak with power. People that have lost a dad don't have a dad. You will find that the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and He will father you, and you'll be a great pastor to many young men. Years beyond your lifespan will be affected by the decisions that you make today. Come on, just lift your hands and just love our leaders just to come up. I just want to pray for you and lay hands upon you. What we have in this house, what you're experiencing in this place today, the doctrine that's presented, the spirit that resides in this place has transformed nations It has brought people that have been broken and transformed them into people that carry the gospel to nations. Now it's your turn. We want to pray for you, that your faith will be strong, Love our ministers just to come forward right now. And we're just going to lay hands on you. Pastor Mike and Kobe. And... Come and just lift your hands. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for every one of these young people. I thank you, Lord. for Thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of God in this place right now. Thank you, Lord, for what you've established in this house. Lord, I thank you today for the destiny for the potential that lies in every one of these young people. Lord, let your power come upon them afresh today in Jesus' name. Lord, today, that you will set them apart. Lord, today, that experience a fresh impartation of your Holy Spirit inside of their lives. Come and just lift your hands up one more time. Who's going to worship the Lord? Young people, I want you to cry out to him this morning. Lift your hands up and start to hunger for him this morning. Come on, church, and start to sing and worship. Stretch your hands out towards these young people. Come on, guys, lift your hands up. Father, let your power come in Jesus' name. Come on, lift it up. Have a nice worship them this morning.
1: Father, we just honor you. We thank you for this young generation arising. We thank you, Lord, for your hand upon them. Father, let everyone who's received a touch of your spirit today stand up with a new boldness, new confidence, new strength. Father, we bless them. We bless them. We commission them to touch our city, to touch our region, to go beyond into Hamilton, every part of New Zealand. We release them, Lord. Let there be signs and wonders and miracles. Let them be bold in their witness for you. Father, we thank you for the families here. Touch every family here today. Anoint and bring a spirit of boldness. And may miracles continue to abound in Jesus' name. Everyone said it. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap. Come on, give him a clap now. Let's thank the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's rejoice. Our God is a great God. If you have a need for prayer today, you've come with a need, physical need, some other need, make your way to the front and someone will pray with you. God bless you. Have a fantastic day.